Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh, God, I'm proud to tell people about Jesus. Yes, God, I'm proud to tell them about Jesus. And I'll tell them what you've done for me, God. I'll tell them what you've done to the people around me, God. I'll tell you, I'll tell them what you've done to the people that I've read about in books, God, that I've never even met, God, because I know that who you are and what you can do. And I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe in you, Almighty God. Yes, God. And I believe in your word today, God. Yes, God, I believe in your word, Lord Jesus. Yes, God, yes, God, thank you, Jesus. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Yes, God, thank you, praise team. Y'all have done amazing. Thank you, thank you. And I believe we're at that point where we can just go ahead, yes, with the service. Yes, God, thank you, Jesus. Y'all have done an outstanding job. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Yes, God, shake it. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh, yes, God. We've been, we've been in Pensacola all week at this revival thing, and it's ignited a fire, and and lots and lots of people. It's ignited a fire in me. Y'all just had to excuse me if my words don't come out quite right, because I'm not quite right myself. So I'm just living in the presence and trying to get to where I'm going. So God, I thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I've seen the fire in people. I've seen them getting slayed in the spirit. And I've seen all kinds of things. But I want to tell you, I haven't seen anything at this revival that I haven't seen in this church. Because there's a mighty move of God in this church each and every week. And we've seen waves of it in this church. We've seen it, you know, kind of go high and we've seen it kind of go low. But I tell you one thing that I know, that I know, that I know, that everything that I've seen at that church happens here, at that that revival, it happens here. So I want to, excuse me, I just want to encourage you to just keep coming and keep inviting people and just keep doing the will of God because that's what he's after. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we do it right or if we do it wrong. Yes, ma'am, just do it. He's after the obedience and he's after the heart, you know. And uh, I'm just going to. Go to this other scripture. Okay, I'm not using it in the spot I'm supposed to use it, but I'm going to use it here. Uh, look not on the countenance of the. I didn't bring my glasses today. Look not on his countenance, or unto the height of his stature, because I have ref- refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man sees. For man, it's hard to do with water in your eyes. <laughs> man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And that's what he looks at is our heart. And uh, so I'm going to come to you a little bit different today than I normally do because I've got a different, I've been in a different atmosphere. 
than what I've, I'm used to. So I'm just going to try to do this the best I can. But I just want to tell y'all that I love worshiping Jesus with y'all. I, I would rather not be any place in the world than right here. And I'm glad that I was saved when I was saved. I'm glad that uh, who I was saved with, and I'm glad to be worshiping with y'all. So I just I praise God for my friends and my family, and I love each and every one of you. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, thank you, yes, thank you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I hope you feel the same way. So, so of course, Sister Witt wasn't able to be here today, and like I said, we knew it was in good hands. We knew it was everything was taken care of and and well organized. But uh, Biggin and Elder Paul and myself, we talked with Apostle Angie and Pastor Barbara, and we we drove. We started out about three o'clock. We got home. I got I was the first one dropped off, so I got home about midnight and the others had to finish their rounds and everything so they got home a little bit later too but but the importance of bringing God's word to y'all bringing what God had put in my heart was great otherwise otherwise we wouldn't have we would have just left it like it was and not traveled in the nighttime you know we would have we had a plan and we veered from the plan for a move of God. So, if you've if you've been saved long, you know that plans don't really amount to much in the kingdom of God. You just kind of just kind of got to do what you got to do when you got to do it, and and hope you're prepared. That's where that instant in season and out of season kind of thing comes from. So, so there is truth in His Word, and you had to read it to be prepared. So, so we come home and. And of course, I'm knowing that I've got to get up here tomorrow, today, and so I'm, I'm just in my mind. I'm thinking, what am I going to talk about? You know, because there's been so much that we heard throughout the week, and so many good words. And I, we stopped at one point, and I got in the back, and I said, I'm going to take some notes. And I took some notes, and you know, did some things back there, and I was on my phone and just studying some of the notes that I had uh, taken while while we were there and so and I would listen to Elder Paul and uh, Big and Talk and of course we talk about very things throughout the trip you know and and one of them well I won't say that but I got home and I really didn't have I man I had a message and I was like but that's not that's not right so I went went on to sleep you know, it was late. I went on to sleep. And while I did, uh, I had a dream. And I'm not a, I don't know if I should say I don't dream a lot. I don't remember my dreams a lot. But uh, I woke up and I remembered this dream. And so I started writing my notes stuff. And it kind of correlates with some of the things I'd had before. But uh in a, in a different way. So I came through this morning and I told Big and I said, I'm going to preach about you this morning. And he may have thought I was kidding. 
but I was not. Because who was my dream about? It was about Biggin. Because he'd been on my mind a lot, and I've, I've t- uh, I told him one time, and I told Pastor Barbara, you know, there's different things that people were talking about that reminded me of Biggin, you know. Uh, so we were in, in the dream. We were coming back just like normal, and Rodney Howard Brown, I think, was supposed to preach there yesterday in, in the afternoon service, and we, that's when we left, so we didn't get to hear him. But in the dream, we came through those back doors. I was with you, and we came through, and the front half of the sanctuary was like, it was here, but it was like real, real dark, like you knew you wasn't supposed to go up there. And as soon as we came in, like I said, the front half was dark, and everybody was sitting back there. And Rodney Howard Brown was sitting right over there. And we were all facing that direction like the pews were turned around. And he, he never said a word. He was just there. And uh, so Biggin was supposed to teach Sunday school. And, what he was, and the reason for that is because any other time, and I told him the other day, I was kind of joking. I said, uh, y'all know when you go to the conference, there's always a service when you get up and tell what, what's happened in your lives during that conference, you know. So, so that's the reason we were coming into the Sunday school and he was supposed to be teaching. But he had painted two paintings. And one of them was a landscape painting, you know, just landscape. And the other one, and I don't know why, it's just a dream. Y'all may know why. But it was a tomato jar, like a mason, like you'd been canning tomatoes. It was just a tomato jar right there. And uh, Biggin said, I'm not through with these. They're not, they're not right. Something's not right about these pictures. He said, I can fix them. And he was touching them up as he was going. And he's like, I can fix them. And he said, but I, I can't tell you about them. And I was like, well, it's Sunday school. You, you know, you got to tell us about them. And he's like, he's like, no. He said, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. I can't, I can't tell you about them. He said, but, but it's not complete. It's not right. So he's steadily working on them. And then the dream kind of fades out, and that's kind of the end. So I've got a long way to go to get back around to that, and I'm, I've got to figure out how to tie that in there. But, but in the dream, Biggin is, he's found something. He's, he's made something. But it started out as a canvas, and he put something on there. And what he put on there was, was his personal touch, what he thought something was, or what it should be, or what it could be. So the whole, there was, I think Eddie James was there, and, uh, Todd White was there also. And I said those two things because what, what these ministries do, which I'm not super familiar with what Todd White does, but I know he's come out, I know what he's came out of, and I know what he brings people out of. You know, he's, he's just a, I don't know how to describe him. He's kind of a, a wilder person, you know. Uh, he's, he's full of life, full of energy. And he's always trying to get people saved. Uh, I think Biggin was talking one at one point. He's like, you know, just goes up to people on the street and gets them saved, you know, and talks talking about Jesus. Well, that's the kind of person that he is. That's what he does. And Eddie James, he has this team of 
50 young people. I don't want to say kids. They're out of school probably uh, because they travel. But they come out of drug and drug things, you know, whatever you call that, uh, hard lives. They come out of hard lives. And he picks 50 people, and they kind of live together, and he trains them up, you know, and they do dances and praises and all that. He lets them sing with them and all that. And he brings people to that, you know. He, uh, he tries to help them out. And so these things, they reminded me of what, what Biggin does because he's, he's had people come into his house. Now, I'm going to tell you, and that's no big thing because we've had people live in our house. And after the last person lived there, I told my wife, I said, I need a break. You know, uh, yes, it is hard. And it's, it's very rewarding, but it's very difficult. Whether you've got good people or whether you've got people that don't listen to you at all, it's hard. It doesn't matter because they didn't get raised up the way you wanted to raise them up. They got raised up the way they wanted to get raised up or the way their parents want them to, whatever. They don't have your same standards. They don't have your same rules. They don't have anything like that. So that in itself makes it hard. And then they're coming out of something harder. They wouldn't be there to start with. So that, that's, that makes it even harder. So it's, you can't, I don't advise you if you're not, if you hadn't sought counsel or something, I don't advise you to do that because it's not, not to be taken lightly. And you have to have a calling on your life to do something like that. And so, so I say that, and I hope you hear me on that, because don't just let somebody move into your house that you're not to prepare, because there comes demons, there comes devils, there comes all kinds of things that you're not prepared for. That, you know, uh, and you don't want that in your house if you are not prepared, because there is a battle out there, and there is a spiritual world, and there is everything that goes on in that spiritual world parallels in the natural, and you're going to have to fight in both. Because it's not, you're not going to come bring them to the altar and say, you do this, and then they're going to go home and do that every day after that. It's going to be a battle there. Because there is a battle over your life. And, and whether you know it or not, that battle is good or evil. There is no in-between. The Bible tells us there's no in-between. But the world says that there's an in-between. Oh, just be good. You be morally good. You can do all this stuff. You know, as long as you're not killing people, you're all right. As long as you're not robbing people, you're all right. But there's so many other things that make you not all right. But the world or the Bible will tell you that's not true. It's good. It's bad. It's evil. And it's, it's heaven and hell. And the Bible tells you that. And, and so, so anyway, you have to be prepared. And I want to tell you, and you have to have a calling on your life to do that. And so I've got, because Brother Paul, when he was talking in the, uh, in the truck, he was saying something about, I hear your life stories, but I need some scriptures. I need to know what the Word says about it. So I've got two examples of two completely different ways to go about this. But they're both callings on lives, and they'll both bring you to the same point. And they're stories that you know, so I'm just going to read little tidbits of them. And uh, if you don't know what tidbit is, it's a little bit. So, but it's going to take you to the same place, but it's going to get you there two completely different ways. And you've got to figure out. And because the ways they're going to sneak up on you, you're not going to realize when they're there, you're not going to know it. Probably till years later. It's just going to be something. Because God's going to put it in you, and then you're going to do it. And then you're going to be like, wow, that was his purpose the whole time. How did I not see that? So we all know when, uh, which one am I at? Uh, I'm going to go to the other one first. 
So, in, in Samuel chapter 16, this is Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. Now, everybody knows Boaz because he was rich. And everybody knows Ruth because she carried her mother-in-law there and she was gleaning the fields. And they know that Ruth and Boaz got together in that story. But the way that happened was just a chance, you know, if you, if you want to call it that. Now, I'm, I'm calling it that. I'm not speaking because we know everything was designed. But she had been there, and she'd been picking corn all day, gleaning the corn. And uh, this guy walks by, and he's like, he sees something different. So he says, who is that? You know, and so this guy tells him, and, and that right there, that is the moment that God said, this is fixing to change. Something is fixing to happen. Now, because this one person was right there, and he would just happen to be walking by, just for whatever reason, whether, you know, whether he goes to his field every day or whether he goes once a month, I don't know. I know he just got back off a trip, so I don't know why he was at the field. But he just happened to be there, just walking by. And like I said, he's, who is this beautiful young lady? So, and then all that happens. So then, then everything changes for her, and everything starts going her way. All right. And then you've got. Uh, I went to the other one. All right. <clears throat> so then you've got the anointing, or the where they looking for King David, and you've got all these other kids. Now this is a. This is not by chance, because God told this man to go find this person. And he said, don't stop till you find him. And he kept looking and looking and looking. And if it was by chance, he would have picked one of those other brothers. But he did not. He kept looking, and he said, this is not the right one. 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 And the Bible says they didn't sit down until he went and he said, stand here, and I'm going to go get the one son that was left out. So he's Goes out and gets him, brings him back, and he says, this is the one I'm looking for. And, and that's the scripture that I read earlier. It says, look not on his countenance or in the height of his stature. He called, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth the man. Looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the, on the heart. And then over in, uh, this is First Samuel 16, but in verse 12 it says, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now, when he says this is he, that means that's who I've been looking for the whole time. I have been searching for this guy the whole time. And over in Ruth, it was just a chance. He wasn't searching for nobody. He could have had a wife. He was rich. He owned all this stuff. Whether, whether he could have had a pretty wife or not, I don't know. But when you're rich, you can get a wife. I can tell you that. It just, it just happens every day. So that was a chance. But then the other one God ordered. He said, this is who I want to want you to choose so so there you've got two chances of somebody being picked you know you've got you got somebody that's hey this is who I want and you've got a chance so I say all that and then I think well how did I get picked was I just chance or or was you know was somebody walking by and then they say uh hey I want this person to be a Christian or did, or was it said did I get up in the morning and said, I'm fixing to go win Andy Minga. He is fixing to come to the Lord today. 
It is on my heart. That's what I'm doing. I'm skipping work. I don't care. I'm not going to school. I don't, I don't need school. I've got the Lord. I don't care what it's going to take. When I wake up Sunday morning, I am going to get Andy Mingo saved. That's what's happening. I don't care if he doesn't answer the door. I'm going to preach to him through the window. I don't care what I've got to do. He's coming to the Lord. This is what's happening. So, so while this is happening on this side of town, then you've got the chance happening over here. You've got somebody walking by. Hey, Linnea, how are you doing? You know, it's just a chance. Linnea, would you like to come to the Lord today? Would you like to know the Lord is your Lord and Savior? Would you like to come into the kingdom of God and see all the gifts that he has for you and live with those gifts for eternity? And that brings you to another thing. Eternity. What difference does it make? Because if you think about it, let me, let me just tell you what I do. One time, me and my wife, we needed a new mattress for our bed. So I started doing a little research here and there, trying to find the right mattress. And I see all these reviews, all these reviews. Oh, this is a good mattress. This is a good mattress. Well, this one costs this much, and this one costs this much. So do I need this amount of good, or do I need this great big amount of good? Or can I get by with this little bitty amount of good over here that's just right, you know? This is my pocketbook amount of good. This is my health amount of good, right? So, and this is what I might could get my wife to agree on kind of amount right. So you've got all them choices, and you don't know what to choose. So, you, you know, they're all good. So then I start asking people around town or my friends or, or people at work, what kind of mattress do you have? What kind of mattress do you have? If I go stay in a hotel, this is true. If we stay in a hotel, my wife looks to see what kind of mattresses it is. If it's comfortable, she wants to know, and that's what she wants. And so you've got, you've got all these options. But I think I've had two or three mattresses since I've been just my adult life. Now, the same with anything else. You know, if you go buy cottage cheese, it's going to go out of date probably next week. If you, if you buy some milk, it's going to go out of date next week. But if Andy comes to the Lord today and Linan comes to the Lord today, it's not going to expire. So why would I not want that? Because I could have this little bit of goodness for uh, 10, 15 years. I could have this little bit of goodness here for 20 years. Or I could have this whole lot of goodness for the rest of my life, for even past that. Because it doesn't end when I'm dead. So then i got to make a decision. And it seems like it would be easy, right? To make that decision because this goes on forever and ever and ever. You know, they've got crowns. They've got streets of gold. They say they got mansions for me up there. I don't know. But so what am I going to choose? Well, let me tell you something. There was a time, and I had this in my notes. I'm trying to go back. I'll just try to do it right. But anyway, there was a time when I was little that an aspirin would cure everything that happened to me. My mom, take aspirin. Either that or she'd say, I'd be faking trying to go to school. She's like, get up, take a shower, you'll feel better. So that, that aspirin would cure everything that was wrong with me. There was a time when it was uncommon for people to be divorced. There was, an, uh, there was a time when if people got divorced, they still saw their kids. But now... I've got a granddaughter that hasn't seen her father in over two years, probably three years close to now. I haven't 
No child support, nothing. It's common. I hear it at work all the time. I don't understand how things, well, I do understand, I know why, how things that were once so far unheard of, just unfathomable, how that comes to about to where it's common. Because now, like I said, an aspirin cured everything I had. A headache, a sore stomach, whatever, it didn't matter. If I had a cold, take aspirin. That's what I did, and that's what my mama gave me, and, and it seemed to work. So, but now we're in a point where people are mixing Drano and, and cough syrup and all that stuff to try to cure something, you know. And, and so I, I wonder, how did I get to an aspirin to taking stuff that clears clogs? It doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense. But people that are not after God's love, people that are not after the healing of, of God, the healing power of Jesus, people that are not after these things are not looking, they're not eternally minded. They're not eternally minded. So they're looking at the here and the now. They're saying, hey, I'm fixing to feel good for the next three days on this one thing right here. I'm fixing to feel good for the next uh, 18 years because I'm not paying that child support. I had the kid. I enjoyed my time. But I'm moving on. I'm going to get me a new wife. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't, I don't see. I don't see how... At one time, I didn't see. I see how people think that. It's because they're not eternally minded. And you don't get eternally minded until you get the life of Christ inside of you. And you don't get that life of Christ inside of you until you get saved. So that's what it's all about. That's why we're going to, that's why they're having these revivals, to get people saved. And they're trying to get people saved left and right. There's people out in the streets, you know, whenever they have these kind of revivals and, and, Anytime, like if I go to a Marsarilla conference, the people that are there, they're trying to witness to the bell people. They're trying to witness to the elevator man. It doesn't matter. They're trying to witness. And, and chances are they don't do that at home. They just do it when they go to conference. Otherwise, there would be a lot more people in the kingdom of God. And, and then you got to wonder, well, why? If there's so many preachers out there, if there's so many Christians out there, why are there why are they not more Christians? You know, why why are we not filled up? Why are we not through with the work of God? Why why have we not taken the world? Why has not every person not heard the gospel? Why has the Lord Jesus not come back? Because the Bible says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Okay. Before you were formed in your wound, he knew you. It wasn't a chance like Boaz. It wasn't a chance like uh, Ruth. He was, you were predestined to be on this earth at this time. Stephen, you were predestined to sit right there by Crystal for this amount of time. He knew what was going to happen. Now, we make choices and we do things this and that. And we go this way and that way. And, and we just had to live with those consequences. But God knew you. He knew when you were going to be born. He knows the hairs on your head and all this stuff, even way before you were born. So it wasn't a chance, or it wasn't somebody didn't just walk by and say, I want Andy Minga to be saved today. No. God, way back, and let's just say this is 2,000 years plus, way back even before that, when God started forming the world, he formed it up, and then he said, I know who I'm going to put right over there. I'm going to put Lynn Ann in that pew. 
I'm going to put Brother Allen right over there. I'm going to put Rayshawn over there right, right beside her dad. You know, I'm going to put Rayshawn by her dad, and she's going to have a big smile, and she's going to come up here, and sometimes she's going to sing with her dad and all this stuff. I'm going to put Pastor Barbara up here, and she's going to lead the people all the time. I'm going to put Biggin right there where he can help up somebody. You know, uh, when somebody's going through a hard time, Biggin's going to invite them into their house. He's going to say, son, I see something in you. I can help, I can help fill in those gaps right there. Now, Biggin has a wife. It's not just Biggin in his house. And Biggin has grandchildren next door. It's not just him and Barbara. He's got Hunter and Jessica, all of them right next, to, next door. So anything that Biggin invites into his house affects all that. And then when Biggin invites you into his house, Pastor Barbara's going to invite you into her church. So then it's going to affect all of us right here. So somewhere way back, let's say, you know, when the world was formed, God said, you know what? I want Stephen and Tim to meet up on this day. I want him and Crystal to lead praise right up here. And they want, I want Sister Joellen to play the piano. And I want the power of God to come down in this house and get people saved from the left side of the altar to the right side of the altar. I have preordained this to come because you know what? This is my will. And you know what? This is my world. So what's going to happen here is what I want to happen. So I'm going to bring this presence of God. I'm going to stand on holy ground. And I'm going to give an altar call. And people are going to get saved. And they're going to come running left and right. The tears are going to flow. They're going to see the power of God. They're going to fall to their knees. And they're going to know what they're getting into. They're not going to go into it blindly. They're going to have the good reviews. The good reviews are right here. The good reviews are sitting right next to you. Because you know what God has in store for your life. You know what God has done in your life. So you can testify to that. You can take it out to your family. You can take it out to your friends. And you can say, hey, oh my God, my life has been changed. You know what? I've got a car right now. I didn't have a car before. You know what? I've got a house right now. I didn't have a house before. You know what? I've got a friend. I didn't have friends before. Nobody liked me. It's, it's amazing what the, what the joy of the Lord can put into your life. Because you know what? Everybody talks about the joy of the Lord. But what about the joy of Tim? What about the joy of Charlotte, Lynetta? Where's our joy in all this? The Lord looks after you. He keeps you. He supplies all your needs. He wants you to be blessed over and abundantly. That's what it's all about. It says it all throughout there. It's not about you just coming to Christ. That's the ultimate goal. I don't want to say that's not what it's all about. That's the ultimate goal. But you know what? That's where your joy is coming in. If you don't feel it here, I promise you, you're going to feel it up there. You know, they, we had pastors up there, and they said, oh, he gets ridiculed for taking these stands, you know, this and that. Everybody in here has been ridiculed. That's not joy. Now, we have glimpses of joy. You know, I get a joy every two weeks when I get my paycheck. You know, that's joy. Uh, I'll have joy tonight when my wife comes home and I hadn't seen her all day. I'll have joy. There's joy here. But when I get to eternal joy... When I get to heaven, I'm going to be happy all the time. There won't be one minute in my life, one moment, that I'm not happy. Something is going to make me happy up there all the time. So what could it be? It's got to be the presence of the Lord. It's got to be that glory cloud we're trying to call down all the time. That's what it's got to be. So, so you, you take all that and you think, how can I not share this with the next person? How can I not go to the bellman and say, hey, do you know 
You may not be getting any joy in carrying my bags right now, but one day you're going to be in heaven and everybody's going to be carrying your bags and your, your bags are going to be heavy because they're going to be gold. You're going to have so many clothes you have to change every day from here to eternity. So that's a pretty big suitcase. You know, you're going to, there's going to be, there will not be a moment in your eternal life that you are not happy. So how can you not share that with your friends and your family and everybody that you meet along the way? You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm out there witnessing to people every day because I'm not. When I said that earlier, that's not me. I'm not out there preaching to the people carrying my bags and stuff. But I will seize an opportunity. I don't mind it at all. If, if I see that opportunity, I'm on it. I can promise you that. Uh, but you, also, people are looking at your lives, you know. Uh, that opportunity that I just talked about, that's the one where David... They knew who he wanted. He knew who he wanted. That's that. But then there's people watching your lives, and they see how you live. They see how you change. They say, you know, Andy used to be single. Now he's got him a pretty wife. He's got him a car. He's actually got two cars. He's got a house. He's got a good job. I'm going to be like Andy. I'm going to start going to that church because something changed in Andy. So that's, that's just by chance. Andy didn't witness to him. He just lived his good life. You know, he had some moments of happiness that somebody else didn't have, so they wanted that. So it, it doesn't matter how you witness, but it matters if you witness. And I just encourage you, you know, if, if you're here today and I, I see who I'm talking to, so I'm not expecting anybody to come, but then I'm going to expect everybody to become because we can all be renewed in the strength of the Lord. We can all be renewed in the joy of the Lord. We're all young at heart. We all need to, a fresh fall of God. We had a great, a great praise a while ago. You know, the cloud was in. We fell. Oh, it was wonderful. But then... This guy got up and he started talking about what he wanted to talk about and it's gone. But it can come back. You don't have to listen to me. You can just sit there. How many times, how many times, and I'm being serious, how many times have y'all sat in church and Brother Allen was like this the whole time? He's up there praying and praying and praying. That man created his own happiness. He didn't care if this preacher wasn't any good. He was having his happiness right there. I'm talking about time after time after time. And people go by and they're like, and they go over here because the music was good. But Brother Allen didn't care about the music. Not one little bit. What would you care about, Brother Allen? Presence of God. That's right. That's right. So don't let anybody ruin that for you. Don't let them take it away. Don't let them tell you it's not about eternity. It's, don't let them come up to you and say, you know what? Don't worry about all that. Come pop this top with me. We'll go do this. You'll feel good. But you know what? We all know. What do you feel like the next morning? So it's a moment. It's a moment of happiness. But you can have a lifetime of happiness here, and you can have an eternity of happiness there. So that's, that's what it's all about, and that's what was right, uh, laid on my heart today or at, this week at the conference. It's all about revival. It's about winning souls and keeping the souls and just more and more and more into the kingdom of God. It's not about... It's not about the person. It's not about this body. I don't care if my muscles get big, if my belly gets super big. I care. But I'm not going to have that. That's, that cheeseburger is my moment of happiness. <laughs> but the happiness that I'm longing for deep inside, it has nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. So, so I just want, if we could, we'll just come to the front and we're just going to, we're all going to,
pray the sinner's prayer, and we're going to praise a little bit for a few moments, and then we'll, we can be dismissed. But my goodness, I, I just want you all to feel that presence again because it's, it's so great. It's great, it's great, it's great. My moment of happiness, and I'm going to tell you some moments of happiness as we keep going on, as we sing in different things. But uh, moments of happiness, what do they look like? They look like your first child being born. That's a, that's a moment of happiness that you, you, can never, you can never replicate. Even though you have more kids, that first kid, the first time you see a, a living baby come into the world, that's a moment of happiness. Yes, Sister Vila had a moment of happiness. When her husband came back to church, he'd been sick, he'd been out, and he'd been having some health troubles. But then his moment of ha- her moment of happiness when he was strong enough to walk back through the doors and say, I love you, God. I'm still here. I know what I'm going through, God, but I'm still loving you. Sister Vila said, that's my man praising the Lord. That's why I married him, because he had that heart after God. That's why I keep him around. I don't know why she married him, but that's why she keeps him around. Yes, that's her moment of happiness. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Brother Allen had a moment of happiness. He had a baby. He was having, found out his wife was pregnant. She came home. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, he was so happy. That was a moment of happiness. But then he found out he was having twins. He's like, whoa, that's a moment of happiness. Not one, but two blessings come right through there, come right into his life at one time. Two moments of happiness combined into one. But you can have three moments of happiness. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It just keeps compounding. It keeps getting better. As you think about it more and more, there's happiness all through your life. Yes, God, when your child comes back, when they've, been, when they've run away for two months and then you hear a phone call, hey, Daddy, I missed you. I missed the house. I missed the air conditioner, Daddy. It doesn't matter if they missed the Daddy or not. They missed the air conditioner. They missed the food. But they're going to come back to the Daddy because he supplies it all. And you know what I'm talking about now. I'm not talking about your fleshly Daddy. Because some of us have been gone for 30 years and we figure out that we miss our daddy. Some of us are 12 years old when we figure out we miss our daddy. But you can come to him at the altar. You can say, Daddy, I miss you. And I'm never going to leave you again. Yes, God. The moments of happiness in eternity far outweigh the moments here on earth. Yes, God. As great as that wedding day was, it's not nothing compared to the wedding day for the bride of Christ. There's nothing to compare you for anything in the kingdom of heaven. Every, every glory cloud that I've seen, that I've felt, that, that weighed down on me and pushed me to my knees, it's nothing compared to the glory that I'm going to feel in heaven. But I still want it. Because I want my moments of happiness here too. And that's why I call people to the altars today. So that you can have your moment of happiness today. So that you can take that tomato jar that's unfinished painting right there and you can put your touch into that painting. This painting looked good to the rest of us. But Biggin said it's not complete. It's not finished. I can, I can help with this painting. 
And that's what God is saying right now. He's saying, you are a painting. You're just a big old tomato jar, but you've got one little spot on you that's not completely finished. So I want to finish you today. I want to bring you into the kingdom of God. I want to give you unforetold happiness. I want to give you everything that I've got. Everything that's mine is going to be yours. And I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to protect over you for the rest of your life because you are mine. You were mine before this day. You'll be mine after this day. But it's so much joy for me to hear you say, I'm yours. Lord, I'm yours today, God. I want to give my life to you today, Jesus. God, I want to, I want to come to you in the, in the fullness, God. I, want to, I know who you are, God. I know what the world says you are. I know what the Bible says you are. And I'm choosing the Bible over the world, God. Because I believe in you, God. I've had an encounter with you. I've had you move in my life. And I choose you today, God. I choose you over everything else that, that anybody could ever put in front of me, God. I choose you. And I won't turn back. I won't give it away. I won't give it up, God. I'm keeping you in my heart forever and ever. God, I'm on... On Sundays, God, I'm going to come in and I'm going to wave the flags, God. I'm going to sing the praise. I'm going to hug my friends. I'm going to, I'm going to re, rekindle relationships with my family that's lost, God. I want, to, I want to just encourage you. If you've got family in town, start inviting them to eat one time a week. doesn't matter if you preach the gospel or not. doesn't matter if they're saved or not. They're your kids. They're your children. Love them. Love them. If you can't, if you can't, uh, if they, you're not in close proximity, call them. Tell them that you love them. I'm going to call my kids tonight when I get home. I'm going to tell them how much I love them. But right now, God, I love you. And I worship you, Lord Jesus. And God, I want nothing more in my life than to do everything that pleases you, God. God, I put everything else beside, aside, God, and I focus completely and wholly on you, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God, I know that you came to this earth, God, and you lived as man, and you died for me, Lord Jesus, for my sins, God, because you knew I would have sins, God, and you knew I couldn't get out of things by myself, Lord Jesus, that there was no way I could undo all the wrong that I was going to do. I can apologize to everybody that I come in contact with. But I can never undo all the bad that I've done. All the bad that I'm going to do. But one person came and he took all that on himself. He said, I'll take care of that for you. You don't worry about it. You just worship me and I'll take care of everything else. Yes, God. You worship me and I'll prepare a place for you. You give your life to me and dedicate your life to me then you'll want for nothing you'll have everything you need you'll be standing on holy ground like they sing about and that ground will be plowed up with prayers it'll be planted with tears and things will grow out of that garden that you didn't even know you need because it's holy ground it's not going to grow up things that you're going to see with your natural eyes one day you'll just be sitting up here at the altars just be praying and you'll just start weeping that's something coming up that you planted 
And God watered. Yes, God. Yes, God, because what's He doing? He's taking care of you because you're His children. You're His children. You're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, you can be. If you're not a child of God, you can just kneel at the altar and somebody will come pray with you because we don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to assume that everybody in here is saved. I don't want to assume that everybody in here liked my message, but I know that everybody can feel the power of God. And I promise you, if you come and kneel at this altar, if you're not saved today, I promise you, you will feel the power of the Holy God. And that's why we serve Him, because He's holy. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's never done anything wrong in all of eternity. He's done everything right. He's pointed everybody in the right direction. Now, I may not have went the right direction the whole time, but I sure try. Now I try. At one time, I didn't. But my God saved me. And I know exactly what He saved me from. I've heard stories of hell. I've, I've, writ, I've read things about hell. I've read the Bible about hell. And I know it's not somewhere that I want to be for eternity. I know it's not somewhere I want you to be for eternity. Because it's, it wasn't made for us. But sometimes our choices or lack thereof send us down there. But it can all change with a choice to choose God, to love God, to be for God. Yes. Yes, God. Paul wore a shirt yesterday and people were taking pictures of it. It said, sin is not your friend. I'm here today to tell you that sin is not your friend. Nothing that this world has to offer can do anything for you. It'll sustain you for the moment, but you're going to need that cheeseburger again. It's not going to last you from here to the for four more days. It's not going to carry you through that. The money's not going to buy you everything that you need. Not even close. You know, I have a car. My wife has a car. Julie has a car. Andy has a car. Now, all the movie stars have cars, but their cars are better than mine. Now, I have some friends, and my cars are better than their cars. I have some friends, and their cars are better than my cars. It was bought with the same money. They just had more of it. More money doesn't get you into heaven. It gets you a nicer car. But it doesn't get you into heaven. You'll be smiling riding down that street while all the girls are looking at you in that car. But I'm going to be smiling as I'm going up into heaven. I got my ride right here in the presence of the Lord. I'm going up on high. So I thank you today for joining us in the house of the Lord. I thank you for being in the presence of God with me today. I thank you for helping bring in that presence of God, for being willing to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go serve the Lord today. I thank you for that. I thank you for supporting Freedom Ministries. I thank you for supporting Julie as she was over the service all this week, over everything. I thank you for supporting the ushers, the musicians. I thank you for supporting the prayer team. 
I thank you for supporting the Facebook Live. I thank you for supporting our apostle. I thank you for supporting the vision of Freedom Ministries. Now, the vision has been spoken many, many times. And, and, and most people that have been at the church very long, they know the vision of Freedom Ministries. I thank you for supporting that vision. I'm a person of that vision. I'm a product of the vision. But first and most, I'm a child of God. I'm a saint of the Lord. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. So I thank you. Lord, I just ask that you be with us today, God, as we go out, as we see our families as we see those people that we've already said that we're going to see today, as we pass by those people of chance, God, I hope that they see the light inside of me, God. And I hope that I can share that light with them, Lord Jesus. Yes, God, yes, God. Because there's a battle going on for your soul, whether you realize it or not. Crystal, there's a battle over your soul. People are trying to pull you back to the world. And, and you've got people trying to pull you back to the church, back to God. There's a battle there. And you've got to decide which way you're going to go. You probably already decided. I'm not saying nothing like that. I'm just trying to tell people that there's a battle today. Yes, God. A few months ago, everybody was on Facebook talking about, I'm going to invade Area 51. I'm going to invade Area 51. The government didn't care what you thought. They didn't come on if you want to. There's no battle because nobody cares about an alien over here. Nobody cares. But they're battling over your soul because somebody cares about you. And then there's somebody that doesn't care about you. There's a battle every single day. You don't, you don't get saved and that's it. There, that devil's still trying to get you. He may not can get you, but he's going to try. There's a battle because you are that important. You are worth something. When Hannah got up this morning, the devil said, I'm taking her out this week. And God said, get back. I don't think that's going to happen. Because there's a battle over you, Hannah. I see people come in here. And I see people go. And I see people come. And I see people stay. And I know the strength it takes to stay. And I'm glad for that people have that strength. Because the walk with Christ is not an easy walk. It's not easy at all. But it's an overcoming walk. Each and every day you're an overcomer, Hannah. Each and every day. That's what you've got in you. You've got the overcoming spirit in you. Yes, God. Lord, I thank you. I I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Paul and Biggin that, that made the journey with me last night, God, that they, they just brought me home. I didn't have to do anything but just sit there and ride. I thank you for them, Lord Jesus. I ask that you bless their lives over and abundantly, God. Yes, God. God, I, I thank you, Jesus, that they set aside their, their wives, God, for the calling of God. It wasn't even, 
they wasn't even going to get up here and preach today, but they knew that God needed something done. So they said, baby, I love you, but I've got to go do what the Lord's called me to do. That takes some strength right there. Take strength. Yes, God. Yes, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that the people that are still in Pensacola, they'll be traveling today, Lord. I thank you that you keep them safe, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you gave them a fresh revelation this week, Lord Jesus. That you ignited the fire in their hearts, Lord Jesus. That they'll come home just burning bright and we can't even look at them, Lord Jesus. They'll be like a burning bush, but they'll be walking around. And people will see the fire on them. They'll, oh my God, I've got to have whatever she's got. I've got to have that elder, that Pastor Robert, he's got something happening inside of him. I don't know what it is. But something's happened and something's stirred up and he's not the same man that I saw when he left last week. I thank you, God, that you put something in him, Lord Jesus. And God, I thank you for this church. This church right here that is filled with people of God that have a hunger and a longing that they don't give up on anything, God. They've Everybody in here has been through trials and everybody in here has had good days. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you've kept us all to this point and that you brought us all to this point. And God, I thank you that you picked me out for this day way, way, way back when, way before I was ever thought of, way before you formed the world, God. You knew you was going to put me here. And I thank you that I'm not just some chance. But if I was a chance, I thank you for that chance, God, because that's, it's in the design. It doesn't matter how, you, how I came to God. I'm just glad that I came. I thank you, Jesus, for my life, God. I thank you for the good days, and I thank you for the bad days, Lord Jesus. I thank you for my children. I thank you for my parents and my grandparents, for my grandchildren, God. I thank you for my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, God. I thank you that they have an opportunity to know Christ. I thank you that they can come into the house of the Lord anywhere in America. They can bow their knee in their house. They can turn on the TV. They can go to Walmart and bend down if they want to. But they can know the love of Christ in their heart, in their life, at any moment in time time that they choose because there's no other way they've got to choose it but I thank you that you've made it readily available no matter where we're at if you're I'm sitting on a deer stand in the woods if I'm fishing in a pond if I'm on a train in New York if I'm over in California if I'm in Washington trying to save a redwood I can't let go and hug it I can still say Lord while I'm hugging this tree would you save me God save me Lord Jesus because I love you way more than I love this tree Oh, God, and, and I want your blessings on my life, God, and I want to serve you, God. It's not even about the blessings, God. If I can just serve you, God, if I can get down at your feet, God, and I can cry out your name day after day after day, that's enough for me, God. Oh, because I long to be with you, Lord Jesus. There's a hunger in my heart that keeps me every day, that wakes me up and says, my mind is going to be on Jesus today because I'm a saved, I'm a saved person. I've given my life to Christ. And I want you to come there with me. Come on into Christ with me. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.